1: Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football with our friend Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website HarveyHyde.com if you want to email the show and send us a question. You guys have been doing that. Good job of that. Podcast at USCfootball.com. That is our email address. Or if you want to call or text our number, it's 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. We'd really appreciate if you go to our iTunes page, itunescom slash Podcast. Leave us some positive feedback. Leave us a five star rating. We'd love to get those. We got a whole bunch of ratings on there, but we'd love to, to get some more. We know a lot of listeners out there, so if you have an extra minute or two, go to our iTunes page and leave us a a five star rating, a, a review. That would be awesome. Uh, we're also on Google Play and Stitcher Radio tune in radio and audio boom uh you can find us all over the place just search peristyle podcast and if you can't find us somewhere let me know just email me and i'll make sure we get listed there as well we're going into our 10th football season and now it's only days away from the opener against western michigan so we want to talk with the coach harvey hyde about everything that was going on at fall camp and now leading up to the game what is up coach how you doing
0: everything is great buddy it's finally here man, I've talked to a lot of coaches uh, here and other places, and it's been a long, long camp. And uh, at some camps, they even gave uh, kids off and took them bowling or went to a movie or did something just to break up the long process, let their uh, legs rest up, and now it's game week. And this is what it's all about. You don't want them to play on Wednesday. You want them to play on Saturday afternoon at 2.15 p.m.
1: That's when uh, the Trojans will kick it off against Western Michigan in the Coliseum. I will be there. Um, hopefully, you will all as well. Before we jump into talking about all that stuff, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. If you want to go to the game, you can go to sctickets.com and they will hook you up. Tell, them, tell Curtis that Coach Harvey Hyde sent you over there. And I'm sure I'll have a good story or two for you. Uh, but go to SCTickets.com. If you want to go to USC, but hey, you might want, want to go to the UCLA game across town. Uh UCLA taking on Texas A&M. I might go to that one myself. So, uh, Coach, I actually probably have to give Curtis a call because I just talked about this last night with my wife. I might go to the Rose Bowl for that game on Sunday. So I'll have to give Curtis a call. I just thought about it.
0: I think you should. He'll get you a ticket probably right on the 50-yard line, buddy. And uh I'll be there, too. It'll be a lot of fun. And, you know, Ryan, we were just talking about it before we went on the show about Clay Helton being at the Passing a Quarterback Club on Friday. Doors will open at uh, 11 a.m. Uh, he'll start speaking at 12. He's got to be back at practice at uh, uh, he's staff meeting at 1.30. So uh, if you're out there, uh, get there early. It's 171 North Raymond, Passing a University Club, and uh, you'll have a chance to hear the coach, just hours before the opening game. I think it's going to be great.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I'm looking forward to that one too. Um, so that's, uh, pretty rare. I mean, coach, for, you know, he's got the, his home opener, his season opener the next day. And for him to go up to Pasadena and spend a couple hours up there, that's, that's, uh, really nice. I'm looking forward to seeing what he has to say at the, at the quarterbacks club and, and seeing you as the MC because you run, you pretty much run Pasadena, coach. So I love seeing you at events up there. It's always great.
0: Well, we're looking forward to everybody coming over. We've got a great schedule. If you want to see who's speaking during the year, we have 12 uh, events on Friday. We have uh, John Spanos, Kevin Demoff, and Mark Sanchez, or Kenny Sanchez, who is the uh, number one, or the coach of Bishop Gorman High School, who this week will be playing modern day. Last week, they beat the Massa, uh the number six ranked team in the country. We think right now, currently, well, he's won 55 straight games. He's going to be a speaker we're going to fly him in you can get all the dates and who's speaking from sam cunningham to all the way down to the end it's absolutely fantastic i think it's the best club around as far as talented speakers and real interest for all of us to you know learn and talk with these people and meet them
1: yeah i'm looking forward to it those are always cool events and uh obviously clay helton being there the day before the game so it's cool it's kind of rare to be able to hear from him uh in that kind of intimate setting so Looking well, forward. let me
0: tell you what. Let me tell you what kind of guy he is. Okay. All right. They don't have a buy the entire year. Okay. So really, you can't get him because if he goes on the road, they're traveling. But when he's at home, it's going to be that type of situation. So I I ran into him and we were talking about it in Manhattan Beach at a fundraiser we were at charity event for cancer, and I asked him if he'd do it and if he did at the opening. We could be probably a lot easier on him because he got a couple of additional days to prepare for Western Michigan than other teams. And he says, I'm going to go back. This is the type of guy he is. Most people would say, absolutely not. I can't do it. He said, we're going to do it. I'm going to go back, talk to Woody, and we'll put this together. I mean, really, I mean, that is absolutely amazing that he would do this for everybody.
1: Yeah, uh, great stuff. He, I mean, he was amazing. Uh, if you didn't see, we had a little event uh at the USC village uh last Thursday and we had a bunch of people come out and we were doing it at Trader Joe's who's one of our our sponsors and uh Trader Joe's was amazing they gave we gave away like 600 of these reusable custom made USC Trader Joe's bags and they were like super super popular we gave away a bunch of uh gift cards Trader Joe's gift cards and stuff and uh we had some uscfootball.com cups and stickers and things like that so it was it was a lot of fun a lot of fans came out we had former players, uh, uh, Khalid Holmes and, uh, Keith Rivers came out and that was fun to kind of talk with them. Gavin Morris came over, um, who's the director of player development. And then of course, uh, the main attraction was Clay Hilton. and we had the same kind of thing. You know, after practice one day, we asked him like, Hey coach, we're just doing a little event over there. And we, we just put this together at the last minute. So it wasn't like something we planned for a long time. We're going to do a little event over at the USC Village. It's a, Awesome facility. Just kind of check it out. We're going to do a live stream from there. And we asked Clay Helton, Hey, could, would you mind coming over? And like, before I could even ask, like, he was just like, yes, like, what do you need? And, uh, I mean, to, to be, he's, he knows and we talked about. He's like, to be, you, he goes, you know, you have to be accessible to the fans, to the media. He's, he's like, that's just the way it is. And so that's his philosophy. Um, hopefully he's not spreading himself a little too thin. It was nice. I mean, he wasn't over there for too long, but we got him on camera for a while talking and he signed a bunch of autographs and people's helmets and things like that. So it was it was definitely fun and he got to talk about the USC village, which is this amazing new facility, 700 million dollars. Uh it's not just a facility, I mean it's huge and it's a recruiting tool for them. So it's something that he's embracing because he knows when you can bring recruits over there and check it out. That's something you can combat Westwood on like this is an amazing you know it's got Trader Joe's and Target it's got like 23 restaurants and all this kind of all this retail stuff so uh it's pretty cool to have that right next to campus and that's something that he can use as a recruiting tool going forward
0: absolutely fantastic it is something great and uh I think it'll assist USC and uh, it's an arms race uh, at every university of who can outdo who but this is not a football uh, improvement this is a university improvement for everyone so I think it's fantastic.
1: Well, uh, let's jump into some questions, coach. And, uh, our, our buddy Nick, uh, big Nick from Cyprus, uh, he said, now that fall camp is done, the team's focusing on game day scenarios with Western Michigan. Who would you name as your starting five offensive line, uh, for week one? And just to let people know, um, USC did release a depth chart yesterday. So on Sunday. So it wasn't something that came out. Uh, it wasn't something like Clay Hilton gave us at practice. Basically what USC does every week is they put out their game notes, uh, for the game on Sunday, you know, so six days basically before the game. And typically that's when they put out their depth chart. Um, and it's, it's very, um, it's, uh, it's got a lot of information in it. It'll tell you the player's Twitter and or Instagram account. It tells you what their major is. And there was a few sports writers that were kind of making fun of Michigan who hasn't even released a depth chart at all for the year. They they still have their 2016 depth chart up. And someone tried to use the Freedom of Information Act to get their depth chart. So the comparison between here is USC has given you everything that they have, and Michigan won't even give you a name uh was pretty funny. But I digress. Um but anyway, okay, so as far so as far as the depth chart that we released, Coach, they have Chumadoga starting at right tackle, Vianne Talamai, Mavai. Talamayvau at right guard, Nico Fala at center, Chris Brown at left guard, and Toa Lobedon at left tackle. And there's no oars there as, as far as the first team goes. So I don't know if you agree with that, but just kind of get your thoughts for, for Nick.
0: Well, if last week, if you listened to our podcast last week, that's the exact starting offensive line that I uh, put out there. I said that that's where we're going to be. How long have I been telling you, Nico? Nico uh, Fall is going to be the center. I don't know. Forever. They're not going to move a starting center after you win nine straight football games. And again, uh, I said also they weren't sure about the left tackle spot yet, as far as Austin Jackson or whatever. And when they have some confidence, uh, they may move Toya back to left guard, and Austin could take that left tackle. But they want the most experience offensive lineman on the field, and that's what they've done. They're going to be watching Chris Brown exactly and how he does at the left guard position, and they'll evaluate there as far as uh, the positions on would they be better off at Tor there and Austin Jackson at left uh, tackle, or are they better off the way they are now? And they'll look at all of the positions and do evaluation. But uh, that's exactly what we talked about last week, and this is what we're going to go with or they're going to go with it's the most experience offensive lineman they have that have played. If you remember, Chris Brown started last year. So uh, here we go again. So uh, this is what they're going to have to uh, go with. And then after the game, do a lot of tape and uh, make decisions. Because I saw Stanford play on television. I wasn't in Australia. On television, I'm going to tell you, they're a darn good football team. They might be the best football team they play the whole year.
1: Yeah, that uh... – I, I, I feel pretty good, coach. I was the only media member to pick Stanford to win the North in the, the media poll. There was only one. And I was like, I did. Wow. That was only me. So I feel pretty good now about <laughs> that one. I've been saying that's, that's the most important game for sure. Um, and they did look really good. Uh, I was watching on my iPad at the, at a party to watch the fight. And I, I don't think I watched the second half, but like you didn't really need to. You could see all you. You knew what was going on, uh, from watching that. But while we're on the depth chart, I'll just give you a few quick notes on the offensive side, coach. So, uh, Clay Hilton went with a veteran group for the wide receivers. He has Jalen Green, Deontay Burnett, and Steven Mitchell, um, all listed, uh, as the starters. And then there's a bunch of oars and stuff, uh, kind of behind them. But it's, it's, you know, a little surprised. I, th- I thought Trayvon – I mean, uh, Scott, I thought Velas Jones played well, but I thought, uh, um Tyler Vaughn's was uh, really impressive. I thought he deserved a start. So we'll see kind of what ends up happening there. But they have Reuben Peters as a fullback, which is just like whatever. Um, Ronald Jones is the starting tailback. But then there's a whole bunch of oars behind him with Aka Cedric Ware and Vavai Malapiai and uh, Stephen Carr. So they're all like kind of the oars for a second string. Uh, and then the tight end situation, there's just all oars. So everybody's just oared. Tyler Petit, Daniel Baby, who's been injured. Carrie Angeline and, uh, Josh follow and Eric Cromenhoek. So, um, uh, well, I'm sorry. So Tyler Petit and Daniel mentor baby are the two oars as the starters. And then the rest of the guys are oars as the, as the second string, but any kind of thoughts on the, the offensive uh, depth chart that was released?
0: Well, he's uh, definitely going with a veteran group. And I think you owe that, uh, to your veterans and guys that have been around, they've worked hard and it's their turn. I think that, uh, they're giving them the opportunity to keep their position or lose their position. And uh this is what the first game is all about, evaluate who can play on the f- field and who can make the big plays and who can play under pressure because you don't have time to fool around. That second week is going to be a real challenge, and Western Michigan isn't going to lay down either. So it's going to be a, a big afternoon at the uh, Coliseum, and you want to get your guys out there that have been uh, – Working hard with your program, and when you see the oars, 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 that means these kids are going to play. But uh, the starting uh, group is going to be a bunch of veterans. They're in a, a freshman starting anywhere, and uh, I think that's deserving of uh, Coach Clay Helton and giving everybody an opportunity, especially if it's equal or close to being equal. Yeah. You always give it to the vet. Always give it to the vet. you got to do that.
1: My guess is you're going to see a lot of Tyler Vaughns. You'll see, I think, a, a pretty wide rotation at the uh, receiver group. Uh, is my guess that we'll see. Uh, real quick on the defense too, while we're while we're looking at it, pretty much looks the same. So nose tackle is uh, Josh Fatu now, um, and you have Kenny Bigelow behind him with Marlin, Tui Peloto, and Brandon Peely. They're all ored, um, but we know Marlin was getting a lot of the first team reps, and now the the veteran Fatu is is listed as the starter. Um, you know, Cameron Smith, he's still an inside linebacker, but playing middle now. Um, and then you got John Houston as the other inside linebacker with him. And then, uh, you know, Jenny Harris, who's been playing really good, is the starting nickel. And then Jack Jones basically replacing, um, Dory Jackson at the other spot, but Hawkins and Tell at the safety. So a lot of familiar names on the defensive depth chart with a couple new spots and, and same thing. Veteran group, coach, uh, no freshmen on there starting.
0: No, it's a veteran group. And again, uh, if you notice, uh, that some of the guys that were doing so great in the spring, uh, as far as freshmen, uh, they had their opportunity to be evaluated. They are good players and they've got to be ready to play. But right now you're going to give Bigelow that opportunity, if a to that opportunity to play and start. And it's, uh, you know, it's their job to lose. That's the way I used to say, hey, you got it. Now see if you can keep it. And I tell the underclassmen or people that are second, third and fourth club, now it's your job to take it away. When you get in that game, make me uh say I uh, make me believe I was wrong. So it's time to get in there. So right now you've got the great competition going on. I think it's great. When you have depth, you're able to do that and get a good rotation going. You know me, I'm the one that likes to see my players play. But again, you can spell them not all at one time but occasionally get players in and out so that you don't break down and uh, get them on tapes. So you can find out who can cover, who can tackle, who can remember what they're supposed to do. And I think it's a great opportunity to do that against Western Michigan and especially get your proper alignments because next week you're going to face uh, in some situations, a three tight end type of offense, two tight ends uh, split and one at uh, tight end and they're all six, five or bigger. And they can run, and they try to mismatch you everywhere in the secondary. And again, Stanford. I'm no. I'm not talking about Western Michigan. We can do that too. (laughs) But they got a great secondary, and uh, so it's going to be a great challenge. And this is why you got to get your vets ready, because your vets have been through a war before, a battle, and you got to have them ready to play again early. You got to really play early against these teams. And Western Michigan, I'm telling you, they were 13 and one last year and lost 24. what was it, 16, to Wisconsin, who's an outstanding football team. They've got a new head football coach that's fired up that was there. they got two great running backs, three offensive linemen returning, 12 starters returning, pretty good defense. So they've learned how to win, and they're not going to lay down either. So uh, they're going to have a challenge here, and it's going to be great to play somebody that will hit back and uh, because you've got to get ready to, to play the, the next week too.
1: Yeah, the and I think it matters more on the defensive side as far as the depth chart goes. Like the offensive line, that's probably not going to change much. But on defense, Clancy Pendergast doesn't like to rotate a whole lot. If it's a, a Stanford team where you only run 65 plays or something, the starters are pretty much playing the whole way. Um, so that's likely what's going to happen. I think you'll see a lot more movement on the offensive side of the ball. They'll rotate running backs, rotate receivers, tight ends, and things like that. Uh, the, the, special teams depth chart is basically a bunch of oars. I don't think you need to like, no one's really want a spot anywhere. So, uh, we don't really need to go into that. So there's no, uh, no real revelations from special teams on the depth chart. It's really just a whole bunch of oars. Um, let's go to Erica duck country coach. Uh, he said, what do you think, uh, of how coach Clay Helton runs and structures practice? Does he do anything different or unique? For what you've seen other teams do, and do you like what you see? Thanks as always, Eric and Duck Country.
0: No, it's been a standard type of practice at USC. At uh, under all the coaches that have been there, I don't see a lot of change as far as uh, the procedures of practice. Uh, they have their you know stretching, their pre-practice drills. They go through the kicking game. They go through. They, I would say USC probably spends as much time or more time on special teams than most teams i've seen or most teams i coach see they i I used to like to give them a lot of time to special teams coaches but i think clay helton really gives them a lot of time as far as john baxter and making sure those special teams are ready to play continuously every practice in the middle of practice before practice whenever they need it but i think it's basically the same uh you know, uh, I haven't had an opportunity to evaluate the players as much as I would be able to evaluate other practices because of the location of where the media has to stand. But I think that that's different than a lot of uh, other schools. But I think it's the same type of thing. And uh, I think there's less hitting than ever before. Than before, we used to hit a lot more, and teams used to hit a lot more as far as keeping the tempo and the intensity of the game thud part of it as well as the whole thing but uh, again you don't want to get anybody hurt but you got to remember how the game is played you only get better at the game by playing the game not watching the game or walking through it
1: all right coach thanks for uh for that one from eric he actually has one more we can get to too he said i noticed on the newly released depth chart that the kickers seem to be listed as co-starters with a dreaded or between them so we did we did just talk about this yeah uh, do you know if this means one will be responsible for kickoffs and the other field goals, or is there no real separation between the two? Isn't it dangerous to not name a defined starter at a position that requires so much confidence? Thanks as always, Eric and Duck Country. And just to let you know, Eric, there's, there's been a, as far as the kickers go, uh, Brown and McGrath, they've been battling. It's kind of gone back and forth. Um, I also don't think they, they know yet at this point. I mean, maybe this week or maybe the, The mock game they held on Saturday, maybe that determined a little bit more, but um, I just think they don't quite know yet. But Any thoughts, Coach?
0: Well, I'll tell you, I I would say that Mike Brown will probably be the kicker. Uh, He's a scholarship athlete, and Chase isn't. Uh, I would say that you'd look bad as a coach if you've got a scholarship kicker and a freshman walk-on beats him out. Now, of course, if Chase is better, there's no question you're going to go with your best player, but if they're equal you're going to go with the uh, scholarship player, Michael Brown, who you brought in a year ago. Now, uh, they are both freshmen, but one has been there in a, in a redshirt year type of situation. Uh, as far as kickoffs, uh, I think they're both sort of erratic. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. You've been there at more practices than I have. I don't see the deep kickoffs from either one of them into the end zone. Now, I know they had that type of stat in high school as far as, driving the ball into the end zone where there's no returns, but I don't see that type of uh, distance in their legs. Uh, But again, uh, maybe they need to get their leg back. Maybe they're kicked out. So I used to tell my special teams coach, that's enough kicking. They got to get strength back in their leg and just uh, let them work on just chip shots and placements and different things here on game week. But uh, I would, I would, I don't, I would say they're equal. I have no idea. One has a good day and one has a bad day. But probably more consistent over the last couple of weeks is Chase. But I don't know if he'll get the first chance.
1: Yeah, my, I agree with you. I think when you have a scholarship kicker, that's who you're going to have to go with. Like, you wasted not. – I'm sorry. I shouldn't say wasted, Coach. You you spent a scholarship on a kicker. If it's close, it's probably going to go to him. But you got to, you know, like you said, if if you feel – somebody is you know better and they're a walk-on that's the person you should play um i haven't really seen and you know i'm not i know a lot of the media that were trying to like watch the kicks and from where where we stand in the in the practice field it's hard to tell if some of them are good or not so when there's officials out there you can but we're basically looking perpendicular to where the kickers are kicking and you're like is that good is that not and if it's it's if it's right down the middle it hits that the the camera tower you can tell um but otherwise you can't uh, so i would i would like i don't think it'll be mixed i think it'll probably be michael brown doing all of the uh the kicking duties simply because he's the scholarship guy and if it's this close he's going to get uh the edge but it's i it's got fans worried i'm not exactly sure i mean it's like it's a kicker you know like if sam brown's kicking butt the kicker won't matter <laughs> <laughs> it won't matter all that much, but people are really worried about it, coach.
0: I am too. It's a big part of the special teams or it's one third of your, uh, offense, defense. It's one third of what you do, uh, at a, uh, foot, with a football team. And when they're called upon, I like to send a guy in when I, where I know he's automatic. I don't want to send a guy in when I look the other way and I say, tell me, was it good or bad? Or everybody's wondering what's going on. They're, neither one of them, and nothing against the kids are boomers. None of them at the distance, and the, when you hear the balls hit, you know, wow, that ball's going, so we've gotta see exactly what happens, and I don't think there's uh, a feeling of confidence there. I think these kids have gotta, you gotta build the confidence into, into them. I don't know if rotating them does that, because you're still telling the other guy, I'm not sure on the guy that's kicking. So, uh, we'll have to see how they do that. And, uh, it's gonna be very interesting.
1: Yeah, it definitely, it, it will. Um, but it's, it's funny how, how kind of riled up the fans have got about the kicking stuff. And, uh, they, they haven't been great. There have been times they have been good. We'll see. So we'll see who comes out there. We probably won't know. They're not gonna release anything. Uh, we'll just watch it practice this week to see if one guy's getting more reps than the other. But my guess is, If USC defers and they kick off against Western Michigan, it'll be Michael Brown. But we'll see. Um, let's go. Reggie in Seattle. He said, Coach Hyde spoke about Chris Brown and his height. Was he referring to Chris Brown? Uh, was he referring to Chris being too tall to play guard in college only? Because looking at the average size of NFL guards, they're all around the same height as Chris Brown. Even looking around college rosters, I noticed the same thing. Researching all of the top college guards from last year, nine of the top ten were six four or taller, so I was a bit confused when he pointed to chris Brown's height uh, as a reason he might uh not succeed at his play and just for uh reference u s c's listing him at six foot five three hundred ten pounds
0: well, what I'm saying first of all, in the pros they don't do anything with their guards but pass block and man block okay and uh and two, they've got to be uh big enough and strong enough to move probably the strongest, stoutest guys on the defensive line, which are the defensive tackles or guards, whatever you want to call them. So you got to have big structured people. And again, you've got to be able to get leverage to drive them off the line of scrimmage. And Chris has got to learn to get his body down to be able to take on guys that are 6'1", 320 pounds, or 6'4". He looks forward to playing against 6'4 guys because they're the same height he is, and he's got to be able to pull it and lead through holes on a lot of these running plays that USC uses. The pros don't pull their guards hardly at all on anything. So uh, that's what I'm concerned with. Uh, uh, the, you've got to be able to lead the play and get up in the hole and get down and take on a linebacker. And remember, linebackers are not 6'5 or 6'4, they're 6'3, 6'2, and they scrape and they're really quick. And uh they get up into the hole, and they block the hole. you've got to be able to get around there, turn that frame up the field and uh, and you know the taller you are the the harder it is with the momentum to get up in the head. Now, I'm not saying he can't do it; I hope he can, but I'm saying I think it's more difficult to do it. I think it's more difficult than a six two guy like Venny or, or uh toA uh, who's uh you know six three six two these type of heights to do that. So uh, they're a little bit more athletic. But I think Chris is going to be a heck of a football player. It's just that, you know, is he a guard? And that's what we're waiting to see.
1: Uh, let's see. We've got a couple more, Coach, and then we'll let you go. Um, Tarek wrote in, Colby Parkinson, uh, the Stanford tight end, like Kerry Angeline, is six foot seven and a red zone force. Could we see Angeline lining up as an outside receiver and being a mismatch with corners in the red zone? And man, I saw I saw Parkinson up at the opening uh what a year and a half ago or so and man, that guy was like really really good. I was like, man, he's going to be a terror for Stanford and looks like he's already starting that. No, I
0: hope so. I hope they do, especially on run plays too, not just pass plays. Also put him in the slot because what a what a, what a uh, you know, size differential between a corner and a guy that big coming off the line of scrimmage. The corner wouldn't even see the running back. I mean, if you get in front of him and do a regular stock block the type of thing you're supposed to do, uh, in a running game and you do that every single play and then all of a sudden when he, when you come off and you do that and you take a stock block and then you go, the stock block and go, you know, he's a big guy, you put the ball up in the air and the safety can't get over there and the other guy's fool trying to stop the run on a play action pass. So you can do a lot with your tight ends in the slot and also flanked out and USC has a lot of of tight ends that a big rece and big receivers. And you've gotta to try to put those guys in a- in a spot where they have the advantage. Where you can put them in a spot where they're going against a smaller corner, and uh, maybe they're not as fast as your receivers, but they go up in the air. Look how many passes that are completed by guys just going up in the air and catching the football today, even if it's one-handed. Because the defensive back can't crawl on his back or can't do anything with his pass interference. So I think it's great, especially on, on quick seam routes and, and curls and drags. You just put the ball up there, and the guy can't do anything with it. So Stanford's got that down. And I think USC, uh, with all the tight ends they have and all the great receivers, they have, certainly have got to put the receivers, whether they're tight ends or receivers, in a position where they can have an advantage against the defensive backs.
1: Yeah, I agree, Coach. Um... The tight ends are going to be big for Sam Darnold this year because the the receivers are young. You're not going to rely on Deontay Burnett all the time. I think they're going to mix it, you know, move it around a lot more, and you can really have there are a couple weapons uh, at the tight end spot, and they're going to have to use them. So I think getting Daniel Bebe uh, healthy again will be big, and uh, they got to use them. Stanford does a great job of doing it, um, and I think USC is going to have to too. That'll be that's going to be a real fun one. Couple weeks in the uh, in the Coliseum with Stanford coming in, uh, right?
0: And also, you know, they got to get run the football too. USC's yeah. got to run the football, so the play action pass means something. So it's going to be real important that they run the football too. If you don't, if you can't run the football, and you give up running the football, then the play action pass and all of that doesn't mean anything. So they've got to be able to emphasize the run as far as the pass too, and and be able to be a balanced type of football team. So both phases of the football team work successfully for them, and by moving the football, uh, you keep the other team off the field. And remember, the best off, the best defense is an offense that just takes time going down the field and keeps the offense off the field of the other, of your opponent, and they start to panic, especially if they get behind, and it forces them out of their game plan.
1: Well, one last topic, Coach. I wanted to talk about uh, Western Michigan a little bit. Uh, the que- well, the question is like, not really about the team, but we'll talk about that after. Arthur said, and this is all caps. He's not happy. Hey Ryan, USC's ranked number 4. Why is the number 4 team in the country uh only going to be shown on the Pac-12 network? Unless you have more info that I don't know about. Thanks, Art in the Bay Area. No, Art, you are exactly right. Um yeah, that's where the game's on. So, <laughs> it's a Pac-12 network game. So that's uh that's what you got. You can thank uh Larry Scott. Uh, I guess uh the, <laughs> the commissioner of the Pac-12 for that one, but Thoughts on that, Coach, and then also uh any kind of early thoughts on the game?
0: Well, yeah, I say the same thing that he's saying about the game. That's really a, a shame because it's Labor Day weekend, okay? A lot of people are on vacation. A lot of people uh maybe just can't make the game, and they're going to be handicapped as far as not being able to pick it up, especially if they have direct TV or they, they don't have the right cable, wherever they might be. And in and hotels, places you are, You know, they don't buy the extra package where you can pick up the Pac-12 network, as far as with cable. So I agree 100% with you. I really do. I mean, it's a shame that the number fourth-ranked team in the country, as far as Labor Day weekend, you've got UCLA and Texas A&M playing on a Sunday on ESPN nationally, where the whole country gets exposure with the Pac-12 and the Southeastern Conference, and UCLA's recruiting the nation, too. And USC can't get that advantage. So uh, I don't know how it all works as far as, you know, we talk about that all the time on on how someone tries to tell us that it, yeah, he's working on it or whatever they're doing. But it's absolutely a shame that on Labor Day weekend that people are going to miss the USC team on the field. And, again, look what it does to the athletes. If, if Sam Darnold has a huge day and if he's trying to – and I don't care about awards. That Awards happen by winning. Say he has a day and half the country can't, or more than half the country can't see his performance That's as far as media and voters, then I think that punishes kids. I think it punishes teams as far as rankings and everything else. So I think it really hurts the Pac 12 because the Pac 12 is good. The Pac 12's got five or six of the top quarterbacks in the country, and people should be watching them playing. And, they should be getting exposure for the schools and universities and votings and rankings and all the things that happen out there, and they're not getting it. And it's absolutely a shame. I'm really surprised that more pressure is being put on uh, the Pac-12 uh, administration as far as by the presidents and athletic directors to get it done. Just get it done, whatever it is. Even we give it to them, get it done, because we've got to have the exposure that every other university has.
1: Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because if you follow John Wilner at all, he does a great job covering the Pac-12 and you talk to like media people and stuff and they're like, yeah, this is a disaster. But you talk to the Pac-12 presidents and that's what matters is they're looking at this big picture. They're not worried about, well, all the schools get less money than the other schools. They're not worried about, well, you can't get it most anywhere and you can't get it on direct TV. They want it. They're looking at it as, Hey, we can get women's soccer. And wrestling and water polo and all this stuff on television, and so that's their kind of big picture. So, what's important to everyone that follows college football and everyone that you know loves loves the sport and loves what it does? That's not what's most important to the Pac-12 presidents, at least the the ones that John Wilner's talked to, and at least what I've heard from the different you know sources. I think a lot of the athletic directors are unhappy, but until the presidents are. Uh, I don't think you're going to see any kind of big changes.
0: Well, you know, I agree. I think it's great to have all the sports on. I think it's great. I'd love to be able to watch all the sports. But it's not on DirecTV. How the Big Ten has their own uh, channel on uh, DirecTV, so does the Southeastern Conference. So, you know, it can be done. It's just getting to the table and not trying to... See, DirecTV is losing subscribers every single day, okay, because everybody's going to other ways of being able to watch sporting events, okay? So TV, you've got to look at them. you got to say, hey, we can't charge them, but he, they are not going to raise the rates on the people that are now taking TV, but they're losing hundreds of thousands a year. So they can't raise the rate. So Larry Scott and the group's got to understand the exposure. We're just talking about football, the exposure. You keep the Pac-12 network if you want. But you got to get your football teams on DirecTV, so give it to them. Just give it to Fox. Give it to these others. Don't even charge them. Not making any money anyway. So uh, that's what my thought is. Uh, but again, uh, you know, uh, I'm not at the table. I'm not at the negotiating. Or give it to DirecTV and let us have the choice of buying it. We'll buy Pac-12 Network. I mean, so I have to pay ten dollars a game. Or whatever I have to pay, give me that option. At least give me that option, and you've made more money than you're making right now. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, um, we'll see. I don't I'm not expecting anything to change there. But uh, well, any any before I let you go, any kind of thoughts on? Uh, I haven't dug into Western Michigan yet. I'm gonna, you know, be honest about that. We'll have uh, our previews and stuff going up later on in the week, and we'll try to do a preview podcast too. But any kind of initial thoughts? i mean you know, a team that won 12 games last year. No PJ Fleck, of course, he's moved on to, to Minnesota, but certainly a a dangerous team that USC shouldn't take lightly.
0: Well, no, they shouldn't take anybody lightly. Uh, but again, uh, my thoughts are that if you can't beat Western Michigan, you're not going to beat other people in your in your conference. And I think I think Western Michigan is really a well-organized machine, well organized machine, a good coaching great players as far as at their level of competition, but I think you've got to be able to beat them at home. Now, if I'm USC, I remember our opening game from last year, okay? I can't forget that one, okay? So right now, I'm, I'm saying to me, I don't want to be like it was last year. I don't want to start one and three. As a coach, as a, as a, a team member, as anybody, I'm going to be ready to play because I, I don't want that feeling ever again, the humiliation and what we went through and at home on Labor Day weekend. So I'm going to get my team ready to play, and the players are going to get ready to play. And you've got great competition, so you got to get out there and you got to play. You can't let them hang around. you got to take them out of the game early where they start to believe who you are is really who you are. You're the fourth-ranked team in the country. We just want to get out of here without getting hurt. You're a 20-plus point favorite. I was on a show. You know, I was in Vegas last week where I do odds and different things with a lot of the bookmakers there, and I was asked, 26 points, coach. 26 and a half points. Which way are you going on this game? And that's what it was. And uh, I said, uh, well, I'm telling you, I've been at their practices, and I know who they are, and I know who Western Michigan is, and who they are, and they're traveling. I'd I'd give the 26 and a half. They all looked at me, and they said, you know what? If they are who they are, they should beat beat them by 26 and a half points. I would be surprised. So uh if I was a betting guy, that's the way I go. But football is football. You never know what's going on. As far as western Michigan, the number on Western Michigan is nine. Is nine. Would you go over or under on nine? That's what they figure they're gonna win. Nine games. So you decide, look at their schedule and say, Okay, their first two teams or their first two games, I think they're gonna lose. So that means they're gonna win all their other games and possibly lose another. So you know they're a team uh, that, uh, in most publications preseason, they've been picked two, three, or four in the West. That's the part of the Mid-Mac conference that they're in. So uh, they're not the favorite to win their division, but they've learned how to win, and they're always dangerous. You read every year about Northern Illinois or somebody they beat Northwestern last year. You always hear the Mac teams upsetting someone just got to make sure you're not that one.
1: Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. I know we got, you got uh, busy stuff going on. So thanks again for popping on the show. And we're looking forward to uh, getting your thoughts after the, the first game. We got games coming, man. We got to see some college football this weekend. We got co- more of it coming up this weekend. Really exciting.
0: Well, again, I want to thank you, Ryan, and all of our people that call in and uh, give us questions or email them in or whatever you do. And, again, it's game week. We hope your team wins. And remember, everything we say is just our opinion. So have a great football weekend. It's going to be great. Or football week. We've got a lot of things going on.
1: Yeah, lots going on. Uh, Thanks again, for everyone, for tuning in. We do appreciate it. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, uh, publisher of USCfootball.com. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets.